0: Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Pod Squad members will be talking about Mississippi's own Eudora Welty and another one of their
1: favorite subjects murder. So stay tuned. You ready to talk about murder? I am always, <laughs> I'm <laughs> always up for some murder talk um i'm tracy carr the library services director at mlc
0: i'm louisa whitfield smith one of the library consultants at the mississippi library commission
1: and all of our other podcasts have been about something to do with um libraries library visits books and reading but here's the thing you know what popular podcasts are always talking about (laughs) murder murder (laughs) and also do you know what louisa and i are always talking about Murder. Yeah,
0: that's we've also we've true. had
1: some just like random historical murder
0: conversations. We both like vintage newspapers, and vintage newspapers and newscasts in Mississippi are full of murder.
1: They are. Uh, this is a really. Uh, I'm guessing every place is a really murderous place, um, and you know when you read enough, when you read about enough murders, you you tend to have your favorites. <laughs> we do, and this podcast will feature not one but two things that we both love yes murder and eudora Welty. <laughs> so you know i think the world has been really uh hankering for a wealthy murder podcast episode and we're here to give it to them we are you know? i mean as you said the award she was most proud of in her life yes was the it's called the raven um she uh, welty received the mystery reader of the year award Mm -hmm. um from the mystery writers of america so now, did Welty have a Pulitzer or a Nobel or both? Or she had a Pulitzer. Okay. She also later had a Legion
0: of Honor in her career. She'd won multiple O. Henrys. Welty could have had a shelf full of awards, but that's just not you who know what? she was. They were in the
1: closet. You know what <laughs> she had out? She had her Raven Award I mean. because she was most proud of winning the prize for reading yep. instead of the ones for writing, and I love that. So, but both of the murders I'm going to talk about were Welty favorites. I have documented proof that Welty liked talking about these murders. So here's, here's my story. So there is a book called early escapades and it's all about fun, silly, Mm Welty, fun things like games she made up and, um, games she played with her friends and they like to dress up and climb trees and do all kinds of fun things. Um, that I mean, I was just thinking to myself that I'm I might just put on a costume and cl- climb a tree this weekend. And you it know. sounds like a very good weekend plan. <laughs> just, I mean, probably a better plan than murder. Oh, yeah. definitely. I, I would like to make it clear we're not advocating that anyone uh, become a murderer. We just like no. to read about them if they happen a long time ago and they're weird. <laughs> so, um, in in this book, it references a letter that um, Welty wrote her friend Frank in 1935 and the something about what it said didn't make sense to me so I went to the archives this is what Mm -hmm. I do like I did not do this as a person who works at the library commission I did this this on my day off (laughs) I went to the archives and pulled the original letter that's amazing so I could find out more so um in, in this letter, she says, hey, I've made up this new game. It's called Mississippi Murderers and Cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you do is, um, you know, you, you ask questions where the answers are famous Mississippi murderers and or cannibals. I I'm curious about how deep she and her friend's
0: uh, bench was for, like, how many murder-based puns and murderer-based right. puns. And, like, I'm also...
1: I'm also scared about how deep their cannibal knowledge bench was. I think, I think she might have just, like, used it all up in this one Mississippi cannibal. Okay. But So this is what the letter says. And actually, in early escapades, they didn't transcribe it correctly. So this is my mm-hmm. other victory over mm-hmm. the world that I am correct, and uh, they are not. So for, for an example, she says, um, what's that big cat going down the street with? And the answer is Weida Keaton. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Weida Keaton, but just remember, Weida Keaton is the first one. And then the second thing is, where will I meet you? On the coiner, on the C-O-Y-N-E-R. So, you know, on the corner, the coiner. Okay, so what do these mean? Let's talk about these murders. Yes, please. So Weida Keaton, if you don't know, um, was a woman from Laurel. Um, born in 1899 she was beautiful and um didn't marry which you know it's not it's it's the 30s you're 35 you, that's you know kind of old matey for that time um and although she always lied about her age and her mother did too and apparently uh her mother's uh gravestone makes it that her mother is two years older than her daughter (laughs) Um, but so you know she has this life and um, she worked as a secretary for this man Mm -hmm. named W.M. Carter in Laurel and then something happened and it was the depression and she worked somewhere else and blah 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 but Weta and W.M. Carter had a thing going Mm. he was married he was older but, you know. This is her boss. This is her boss. Her former boss, I think, by the time mm-hmm. that they're, they were having their affair. So, because of it, there was, um, like, a lawsuit against the mother. And so, mm-hmm. temporarily, her mother uh, had transferred all her assets to WIDA. WIDA mm-hmm. is a nickname for Juanita, by the way. Thank you. Um, how do you spell WIDA? O-U-I-D-A. Just for those enthusiasts who want to learn more. Um, so... After this period of time, the all the assets were supposed to transfer back to the mom. And Weta was like, you know what? I don't think so. So what she did was... Plus, she doesn't even know if it's actually her mom. She's only two years old. Exactly. Her. You know? Um, what she did was she took a poker and she beat her mother with it. Hmm, but one. she wasn't quite dead, so she shot her two. You know? Well, insurance... Time policy against you know her being alive um and this is where things get fascinating for not just me Mm -hmm. you know for my friend eudora welty Mm -hmm. um it turns out that wita and or her lover mr carter uh, she claims he was there and did all of this by the way and then he says what i don't know anything about i assume he could afford a better lawyer too probably well, they cut her up in little pieces. They don't just, like, you know, do the whatever the usual thing you do. I've never murdered anyone, so I yeah. don't know exactly yeah. how I would dispose of a body, but it probably wouldn't be chopping them up in little pieces. So hit her with her poker. Hit her with a poker and then shot, shot her. her
0: mm-hmm. Then chopped her up in and the then, little pieces. And then chopped
1: her up, and um, some of the body parts were put in the fireplace. Um, I did read something that said she... She flushed some of them down the toilet. Wow. But here's, here's where the thing, I don't know. Just, this is where it gets weird? Because well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was like already where weird was. It's, it's, it's weird. It's all weird. So the region between her pelvis and her kneecaps, I guess, I don't know. She got tired of chopping. I don't know what happened. But they were wrapped in uh, some kind of cloth. And um, she was tasked with disposing of them. In the woods or something. So she gets in her little car, and she drives down the road, and she's like, this looks like a good place to dump my mom's body parts. And she walks, like, two feet into the woods and apparently drops the parcel. And then she's like, ugh, I don't want to pick that up. It's, like, really cold, okay? It's January. It's like, two feet in. Right. Not two. Maybe 20. Because I feel like she's already done a lot of murderous work. Yeah. Like, you couldn't go like that. Exactly. You couldn't, like... I don't I don't know, but it just seems like dumping them in the woods without burying them or tying them to a rock and putting them in a water source. Like I watch a lot of Law and Order and, you know, Dateline, mm-hmm. I have a lot of ideas, but she didn't we didn't have Dateline in 1935. No. So I guess the dime store novels left that part out. She just dumps the parcel and then she's like, "Oh well," and gets back in her car. Except her car has gotten gotten stuck in the mud. <laughs> So someone comes along and is like, "Hey, can I help you? Uh, what are you doing?" She was like, "Oh, I am stuck. Can you help me?" There's a witness to that you being there, you know. So that she goes on, and then later that day, Wait, she, we, she gets help getting out of the mud. Yeah, but she doesn't bother to. I don't know, double back and move that no. parcel further into the. No, no. She. she no one's gonna find that. They're, they're going to whatever it'll it'll be fine mm-hmm. except a man comes along who is a rabbit hunter he and his dogs find it and i think about that guy all the time which is kind of weird but i think about like oh i just found a lady's pelvis oh, yes. in the woods and and it wasn't like from it wasn't just her bones it, she'd gotten murdered the day before so it wow. it ugh, you know um anyway so weeda is very quickly um, arrested. Wow. She implicates um, Mr. Carter in this. He's like, I wasn't there. I, I was in Mobile with my other girlfriend. Which is, <laughs> which is another fun twist. Was he still married? I think so. Okay. So,
0: like, you know it's a bad, I mean, it's a bad situation yeah. we were talking about murder, but you know it's a bad situation where,
1: like, it will be better for me if I talk about my third significant other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but his timeline is, he was in Mobile, but he left for Mobile that morning after the murder. Wow. So I'm pretty sure he was you know, in, involved. Um, anyway, she blames Carter, she pleads insanity. Um, Seems solid. She's um, convicted, but then sent to Whitfield, mm-hmm. which if you're not from Mississippi, uh, that is the, uh, the colloquial name for the state mental hospital. Or at that time, the Insane Asylum, as it was called. Um, and uh, so, Weta Keaton is known as Mississippi's Lizzie Borden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's it's just a fascinating, a fascinating case. Obviously, not just fascinating me, fascinating Eudora Welty. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's that big cat going down the street with? makes a lot more sense now, if you know that it's just some legs, basically. So, the, the, the case is known as the Legs Murder, or the Leg Scandal, and there is a wonderful book um, by a man named Hunter Cole, wow. uh, called The Legs Murder Scandal, and... Is that book available in Mississippi libraries? It sure is, it's available here at the Library Commission, and we will loan it to any public library, or any library anywhere. Elizabeth Spencer wrote the postscript to Wait, this book.
0: Elizabeth Spencer, Elizabeth Spencer. Yes,
1: the Elizabeth Spencer wrote the postscript. Um, also, I am thanked for my keen insight because while he was writing this book, um, Hunter Cole would come to the Library Commission, and I helped him do research. But also, I was just sort of a Wee to Keaton enthusiast, so, as one is, as one is. And so, Is there a nickname for Wieda Keaton enthusiasts? Well, we formed a society, the Wieda Keaton Appreciation Society. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think there's a nickname for the enthusiasts. I mean, you have a society. We have a Edora society. you approve, but but I think we need like a Weta-ites or yep. Wieda, Wheaties or, mm-hmm. or you know some kind of. I'll I'll be working on that. I, I think that's a fine use. I'll workshop. Um, But the other murderer I wanted to tell you all about, um, so in that letter to her friend Frank, she says, where will I meet you? On the coiner. So um, I Googled Mississippi coiner cannibal because we know Weta Keaton is the murderer in this Mm -hmm. example. This must be the cannibal. Um, And so I learned about Alonzo Robinson, who was from Cleveland, Born eighteen uh, ninety five, basically a contemporary of mm-hmm. of um, but he his his alias is James Coiner. Um, he moved to Michigan and he was uh, suspected of killing and decapitating four women. Um, and And this article said there was insufficient evidence to convict him, despite the fact that he had their heads. In a in a trunk, and he said, "What? Those those are from my grave-robbing days because he was a known grave robber and had been convicted um, for stealing a, a girl's corpse." This is another in,
0: case of like when you have to be like, "No, no, that's from when I raped." Uh.
1: Susan, please don't... No,
0: no, that's from when I uh, robbed graves, as one does, as opposed <laughs> exactly. to... Exactly.
1: I would never murder a person. I would, I just clean up afterwards and, yeah, you I know, just... treasure the memories of whatever. I just decapitate corpses. Yeah. Like, totally normal. It's totally cool. Very explainable. Very chill. Very chill. Um, so he probably, you know, murdered and decapitated those four women. But what he did that really got him was he went back to Cleveland and he killed, um, a, a couple, uh, Aurelius Tor- Turner and his pregnant wife. Wow. Um, very bad, uh, situation hit with an ax. Uh, oh, and then shot. So he did the WIDA, the one, two punch, yeah. you know, the, the ax didn't quite cut it. Um, so he took some of the wife's flesh and he salted and cured it. Wow. Yeah. And apparently, when uh, it was found, it had little little bite marks on it where he'd been nibbling, Wow. nibbling on it. It's awful. It's it's, it's the worst story ever. Um, and so I feel bad saying this is my favorite murder, as you know, that makes me gross and weird. But you know, there is a fascination with murder in every culture, especially mm-hmm. ours. I think there. Are, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a reason that. There's a lot. There's a whole channel. The ID channel, it's it's just murder shows all day long. Um, Mysteries and thrillers all over the state are the most popular sections of public libraries. Exactly. Um, so that's that cracks the code of that letter of Eudora Welty's, which, you just know. Just fun and games. Just fun and games. Some fun things you can uh, – she had some other games called – that one was called Old Magazines, where you just – or rip out a picture from an old magazine and make the picture of the two people say funny things. Now, admittedly, I haven't seen images of what they made them say, but in in the land of like
0: just fun times with their friends, I feel like the old magazines game, no pun intended, might have a leg up on. This is to murderers and cannibals. I think it's
1: probably um, a uh, there's there's more to work with with old magazines as you're as you're quite limited. With your Mississippi cannibals, as there is one, one known. I'm sure there are other. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get
0: some comments on this.
1: Probably some cannibals that were better at it. You know, this guy's not very good. Obviously. No,
0: I mean maybe he just got. He felt
1: after the whole. You I know, had four heads in a trunk, and I got away with it. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm sure that that does give your ego a boost when you get away with that level of you know uh, awful. Time. Yes. So
0: uh, I have a more wholesome okay. uh, Eudora Welty. <laughs> if, if you in, must. And <laughs> murder story. So, uh, uh, did you know that Eudora Welty was a book reviewer? I did know that. Did well, know. because
1: you know all things Welty. I don't know all things wealthy. I know the things about the murder and then the, and the, the high points.
0: And I know you also know this, but our listeners might not. So, Eudora Welty had a long-standing and ardent correspondence with a noir author that began with an interview in the New York Times Book Review. Mm. So, in 1970, they come to interview her, and she mentions in passing that she had drafted a fan letter to Ross MacDonald, a hard-boiled noir author of the mid-century, and she didn't send it because she thought it would be icky.
1: (laughs) Is that the word she used? I love it. See, I love this woman.
0: Yeah, no. And um, so she didn't send it. And after the interview was published, he sent her a fan letter. Ah. And it was the beginning of a correspondence. Um, The year was 1970. She was in her early 60s. He was in his mid-50s. And... They were and also, to, he's
1: married, right? Oh,
0: yes. Okay. Very important to know. So yes. his real name was Kenneth Miller, and he was married to Margaret Miller, who was also a mystery author. And they lived in Santa Barbara, which he thinly veiled in his works as Santa Teresa. Random mystery, fun fact. That is why the Kinsey-Milholm books are set also in Santa Teresa as an homage to Ross Macdonald, mm-hmm. one of Sue Grafton's all-time favorite authors. And... They um, started corresponding, and the New York Times book review assigned her the cover story review of his upcoming book, The Underground Man. And Eudora Welty, being Eudora Welty, uh, you know, ardent in her letters, sent him carbon copies of the review before it posted. And he sent her a telegraph back the day he received it. And this is from Meanwhile There Are Letters by Tom Nolan, and Su- edited by Tom Nolan and Suzanne Mars, two scholars of McDonald and Walty, respectively, and it's their correspondence, and it's wonderful. They're both great letter writers, and also, it allows you to interpret the
1: nature of their relationship as which, you. Which, how, how do people generally interpret this relationship? I, I, just, just do it, Louisa, just say it.
0: People think they're in love, they're yeah. in love. You know, uh, he, it's a really, he didn't believe in divorce. Until the last couple of years of his life, it was long rumored that he and his wife had an unhappy marriage. Um, they were both productive. They'd also had tragedy in their family. Their daughter had died at 31, the year that Welty and he started writing. Ah. Um, you know, He was raising a helping raise um, with his wife, uh, daughter's widower, their grandson. He had a really tragic life. He had a tough and tragic life. Mm. Um, and So he, he
1: needed some love in his life. Maybe. He did. Some he did. extra love in Mississippi. And
0: and Eudora Welty comes by this very honestly. She was a longtime mystery fan. Mm-hmm. You know, as we said, she won the Reader of the Year Award from the Edgar's. She also um, was known at Choctaw Books as a mystery lover. So whenever she would swing by a, a long, beloved uh, used bookstore here in Jackson, he would have the owner would have a stack of uh, paperback mysteries for her to read. Um, when... They try and reintroduce the wife into the the correspondence, like, oh, I'm so glad you love my book. Uh, let me send you my wife's book as well. She's like, oh, you can send me a copy, but I already read it, like,
1: <laughs> with no praise attached. Like, yeah,
0: I read no, that. No, no, no. I sh- no, she did say it was lovely. She, it's it's wealthy. She always tries to say things. Are, are you going to read us the yes the, the, tele- the telegram? Yes. So she sends him carbon copies of this. Very long review. And is this, had they started writing letters? Yes. So so she's interviewed in 1970, says she didn't want to send a fan letter because that would be icky. Mm -hmm. He sends a fan letter. Instead, they begin corresponding. Then at the end of 1970, she's assigned by the New York Times Book Review to write the um, front page story of the underground... Uh, of the underground man now he'd had a breakout the year before with his previous book The Goodbye Look which had also gotten a prominent review on the front page and it was his best ever sales more than two decades into his career or about two decades into his career and it was still a coup for him to get Welty this prominent mm-hmm. you know, beloved about to win a Pulitzer um, author to write this review but she didn't post it just to the review, she sent it to him first, and he telegrammed back the day he received it. My deepest thanks for your magnificent review, blushing. I find nothing I wish changed. Regards, Kenneth Mill- Miller.
1: Signing his own name. Blushing. Blushing. That is something. Uh, I'm going to write blushing down. Uh, if I need to you? flirt, I'm yeah, going like, to write blushing in there.
0: Yeah. And then he sends a letter the same day so that you know he can talk more about it he says as you know a writer and his work don't really exist until they've been read you have given me the fullest and most explicit reading I've ever had or that I ever expected. it I exist as a writer more
1: completely thanks to you okay so I'm here to dish some interpretive dirt mm-hmm. you have given me the fullest and most explicit reading I've ever had yeah, I'm just gonna pause and let everyone fill in whatever they want to fill in right here. Yeah, no, I, mean, I exist as a writer more completely thanks to you. That is a love letter. That yeah. is a love letter.
0: I mean, the review is a love letter as well. So, sample phrases from uh, sections from the review. She's talking, his, his main character, his, his gumshoe, the guy who's been throughout corrupt Southern California in his books is named Archer. And she says, Archer from the start has been a distinguished creation. He was always an attractive figure and in the course of the last several books has matured and deepened in substance to our still greater pleasure. Possessed even when young of an endless backlog of stored information, most of it sad on human nature. He tended once, unless I'm mistaken, to be a bit cynical. Now he is something much more. He is vulnerable.
1: Yeah. I, I really like using a review as a, as a veiled level. I mean, I don't think she's making it up. She, she really no. admires his work. No. But also. And, and this book is widely considered
0: one of his best. Like, And which book? What is this? It's book? called The Underground Man. And it is, at the beginning of a book, a man is found dead in a hole he's believed to have dug himself as a wildfire rushes towards the scene of the crime, hmm. engulfing that part of the and Southern th- California. And Archer is the investigator?
1: He's the investigator. Okay. And Do you he, think, if one were to read this, do you have to read all the other Archer books before? No, Could no, Could you no, start no. with the underground? And man? his books are fantastic.
0: Ross McDonald's books are wise and human I love it because they really get at what I think one of the core appeals of mystery is, which is not so much who did it. Though, you know, you know we're compelled by the Weida Keaton case, even though we know Weida Keaton did it, right?
1: We don't. I mean, we did she? Did she have help? Was it just the guy? They definitely did it something together. Yeah, But yeah. No, like, because you have all these other questions,
0: and that's exactly what Ross MacDonald is like. He wants to get at the mystery of why. Like what happened to that person 10 years 15 years ago what's mm-hmm. going on in these relationships that would lead someone to commit a murder right and it's so compelling and he's wise and the works are psychologically rich and you know when you work in genre it's often stigmatized you know it we weren't yet at that full cult of genre that mm-hmm. we are now and to have someone really see the like pulsing heart of the work he was doing like the hurt and it also reflected his own story. There's a boy who's kidnapped in the book or missing mm-hmm. in the book. And that boy is very clearly based on his own grandson who was the orphan of his daughter mm-hmm. that he was raising. And there's just, it's beautiful and human. And he had put so much of his own life and heart into that book. And to have someone else read it so well. And
1: see exactly, see him. That's, yeah. that's what he's saying in that Yeah, um, I exist as a writer more completely. He's saying, you get me, you see me. You know, mm-hmm. And that that's isn't that what love is? It is. It you is. You know, when someone gets you and sees you? Yeah,
0: so, so the correspondence continues over the course of the next decade. They see each other maybe less than six weeks out of the decade, but they write all the time. They love to write to each other so much that they will send letters ahead of each other's known travels so that they don't have to have a break in correspondence, like the, the letters waiting for you at the hotel when you get there. He invites her out to multiple writer's weekends near him. She has him come to Jackson. Now, in the letters, they will mention his wife very scrupulously. There is debate about whether the love was ever consummated. There was a whirlwind weekend in New York early Mm -hmm. on in which... He surprised her in her hotel lobby. He had done some sleuthing to hear that she was going to be at the Algonquin. Mm -hmm. Yes, that Algonquin. And just, you know, stakes out the lobby, hoping
1: she'll walk by. Which is cool in this story, but could be creepy in another story. Absolutely. I mean, we (laughs) are— I don't don't want anyone stalking me in my hotel. No, no, no. Unless it is the man that I'm in love with, and he lives in California with his wife, and we've been writing letters for years.
0: No, so it's this thing where they both are—like, he's writing books about deeply disturbing stuff. She's making jokes about murderers and cannibals. Mm -hmm. Like, they're—you know what Welty's reputation is like outside the South. There's this idea of her as sort of like this maiden aunt right. of Southern
1: letters. And if you've actually had the joy of reading her letters, that's not who she is at all. No, it's not. She is hilarious and sort of mean, which is my favorite combination of things. There, uh, one of the letters I was reading, um, and, and I don't even know who she's talking about, but mm. it, it just sounded like so much like someone I want to be friends with. She was talking about some old woman she saw, and she said, she only had one tooth, and it wasn't that cute. <laughs> and, and that, you know, yeah, exactly. And I, I think it. that
0: makes her really human. And I also think that there's that in their correspondence, but there's that deep love for the world they both have as watchers, as outsiders, mm-hmm. right, of people who are broken and love broken things. And that's one of the things I love about her reviews. Well, one, she's not afraid to write a bad review. But when she sees someone and gets them and really loves what they're up to, her reviews are just beautiful. She wrote uh, an early review for Salinger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so for um, Nine Stories, his book of short stories, which, mm-hmm. as you all know, is fa- her favorite genre. And she says, he has the equipment of a born writer to begin with, his sensitive eye, his incredibly good ear, and something I can think of no, of no word for but grace. There is no trace of sentimentality in his work, although it is full of children that are bound to be adored. He pronounces no judgments. He is simply gifted with having them. Actually, I love that line. I'm going to read that again for you. He pronounces no judgments. He is simply gifted with having them, and with having them passionately.
1: And what, what is this collection you're reading from? Oh,
0: it's a wonderful collection. It's called Eudora Walti's. Eudora Welty, A Writer's Eye, her collected book reviews that was edited by Pearl Amelia McCaney, also available at the Mississippi Library Commission for checkout or request to your library. And I love it. You have reviews of Isaac Dennison, of Salinger, of E.B. White, of multiple of her rumored lovers. Ooh. I'm very
1: interested now. You know, the the thing about Welty is it's a little gross how, uh, I mean, I'm interested too, but the the hunt for not just was she ever in love who was she Mm -hmm. in love with but did did Eudora Welty did she die an old virgin you know that 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 is such a weird thing that uh, people are obsessed with
0: yeah no it's I mean
1: and uh, that's what you were telling me that there are somewhere you read that that it was like this is the day she and Kenneth Miller could have consummated that's yeah, it's I weird. Don't. And
0: I for me the letters are so beautiful. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like I don't I don't care did they or didn't they it doesn't matter that they have these beautiful letters to each other. You know, he had Alzheimer's later in life mm-hmm. and even when he couldn't write back she still wrote to him. Um oh, and it's so just sweet. the letters are full of life. Like they're funny, um they connect it's these moments you feel like they're like it's such a cheesy word, but it's a word that's there for them, kismet, mm-hmm. right? When they find out that they have authors in common or people in common or, um, you know, they after the whirlwind New York weekend, regardless of whether it's just two friends walking and talking, it doesn't matter to me what mm-hmm. it is. You know, that's where the title of the book of their letters comes from because he talks about how meaningful it was and their friendship going forward and just how much it means, and seeing her again, not knowing when, but he said, meanwhile, there are letters.
1: Right? I wonder, too, if letters were a much safer and easier place to live in and to have this kind of relationship in. They're both writers. You know, the, like, yes, it's sad and lamenting, and you live there and mm-hmm. I live here, but there is that freedom and safety in those letters where you can be exactly who you are without the constructs of you're married and I'm older and, and whatever. Which, you know? you know, pro tip, she'd also wrote
0: a story on that subject before they had gotten together.
1: Hmm. You know, on the uh, subject of letters? No, oh. on the
0: subject of an older married oh. man, unha- or a married man, an unhappy marriage, and an older single woman. Oh, really? Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to look that one up. So, love, death correspondence, cannibalism, just an affiché at the Library exactly. Commission.
1: Just, you know, just these are just casual conversations that we have. And then I we thought, well, someone else might want to hear about these, too. Yeah. Well, I had a great time. I did, too. Thanks, Louisa. Thanks, Tracy.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories,
1: the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you'll tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your public library often.